It's exactly two years ago since I was up here, actually. I, I, I look back, um, which was just before the general election, uh, when I encouraged you all to vote. <laughs> I don't know if you did, but anyway, that was two years ago. Good morning and welcome to you if you're joining us online, either live or watching later, as well as to our church family here in the hall. My name is Ray and my aim today is to speak a simple message about having a personal relationship with God. I will be using, I think it's called an analogy, it might be a metaphor but you might be able to tell me later on. Today is the second Sunday in Advent, and this morning we will look into road-making as a way of life, especially in this Advent season. Yes, road-making. Let me explain how I came to this title. A few weeks ago, I was driving along Croydon Road when in the distance I saw an unusual bunch of six or eight orange lights flashing at me. It was coming towards me and I couldn't tell what it was. Except underneath the flashing lights there was a, a yellow bit that looked maybe like a truck. But as it came clearer and nearer I realised that it was a snow plough, a brand new yellow shiny snow plough with a gritter lorry behind it. Oh, it's come out yellow. It was red on... I was going to say, here we are, except the snowplow I saw was yellow and didn't have any eyes. <laughs> Pictures of snowplows online you have to pay for. <laughs> so hence a children's one, which you don't. Goodness me, I thought, that's early. The local council are already prepared for when the winter weather arrives. I can't believe it. Advent for me, signals a time for preparation. It's a time to prepare for Christmas itself and at least some of its trimmings, but Advent also gives me the reminder to prepare for a closer walk with God. Advent can be so busy that it's easy to leave God out of it altogether. Sorry, Christmas is as well. But it's not only we who make the preparation for Christmas. God has already done it, and his preparation was immaculate. Spoiler alert, Jesus has already come. <laughs> we look forward in Advent to him coming, but of course he's already come as well. God's preparation was immaculate. Over 700 years beforehand, God had already chosen Bethlehem, the so-called city of David, as the place where Jesus should be born, according to the prophet Micah. And you can read it in Micah chapter 5. God chose Mary. And just as Jill spoke to us last week, Mary was a very special young woman who had a visit from an angel. Luke chapter 1, verses 20 to 35 tells the story. And I would urge you to read that again, the account again along with all the Christmas story, as recorded in both Luke's and Matthew's Gospels. Read it this Advent time. Don't be too busy. God also chose Joseph. Joseph was a faithful fiancé 
and husband. And although he and Mary would have been from quite lowly village stock, Joseph had an amazing family background. For those that are into their ancestry and ancestors uh, and look online to see who you came from, Joseph's direct link back to David played a crucial role in getting Mary to the city of David ready for the birth of Jesus. As a royal descendant, Joseph would have received a welcome in any home in Bethlehem. And contrary to the tradition in children's nativity stories and plays, Jesus was almost certainly born in a house, not a stable. If you want to know why, ask me later. (laughs) Not time for it today. (laughs) Also, God arranged for the emperor of the whole Roman world to call a census, thus making Joseph have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, along with the pregnant Mary, ready for the birth. Thus, both the location and the timing of Jesus' birth were included in God's preparation. Nothing was left to chance. After Jesus was born, there was no family celebration, for the family was back in Nazareth, 90 miles away. Instead, God arranged for public celebrations. With angels signifying Jesus' divinity and shepherds signifying his humanity. And finally, out of these points, but of course there are many, many more about this, both frankincense and myrrh were expensive and exotic, imported perfumes made from plants grown only in India, Central Africa, and Arabia. So along with the gift of gold, they could be sold to support the family later on while they needed shelter from Herod in Egypt. Maybe, and I've never thought of this before really, but maybe perfume was lighter and easier to carry for them to carry than if all the gifts had been of gold. Staggering along with all this gold that the wise men gave them. Isaiah the prophet writes of a voice in the wilderness calling out, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every hill and mountain be made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's Isaiah 40, verses 3 and 4. Now, I've drawn a picture of what this passage reminds me of. It's of a road between us and God. A road that needs more than a snowplow. Here on the left are you and me. And on the right is God in all his glory. And between us and God, there are mountains and hills, deep chasms, valleys and potholes. 
When Isaiah said, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, it's not a request. It's a gentle command. He doesn't say, please, if we'd be so kind, please do this. He just says, prepare the way for the Lord. And it's early Bible translations say to whom the command is made. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, they would have said. You do it. It is for me. It is for you. And it is to us. To prepare the way, we need to clear away the mountains and fill up our uncrossable valleys. So, what do these mountains represent? There's a picture here, isn't there? What do they represent? I believe they are things in our lives that act as barriers between us and God. I've listed a few barriers that I thought of here, but no doubt you'll think of many more. The Bible teaches us that sin in our life is the biggest mountain. It separates us from God, for God is holy and we are not. Paul writes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. For many people of the world, their other religions, as I've called it here, are barriers to God, as they point people in a different direction to other so-called gods. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me, John 14.6. The way... The road that Isaiah writes about is the only one that leads us to God. Some people will deny there's a problem. I'm okay, thanks, I don't want or need to see the glory of God. I'll live my life my own way, uh, uh, just as I want to, thank you very much. To which I say, and then what? For other people, a lethargy is the word. To them, I say, if your garden is a complete mess, however long you leave it, it won't look any better. The mountain of weeds will not magically disappear or become a beautiful garden. You have to do something about it. Last Christmas, my brother-in-law gave me one of these. He actually gave me two. I've got another one down there. Uh, These... It's called a tuit, T-U-I-T, a tuit. You can get square tuits and triangular tuits. They're available too, but I would certainly recommend you get a round tuit. For some people, peer pressure and family pressures also create significant barriers, making it harder to make changes in their life. In order to see God, our personal mountain needs clearing away. But however much we try, we can't clear away our personal mountains by ourselves. Not only is it too high and too wide, but the mountain, even as we're digging, the pile continues to grow. What digger we have, what strength we have, is far too small.
The only thing we can do is to cry out to God in these circumstances. God, if you are there, please help me. I need you. I'm at my wit's end. I can't do it. And because God loves and loves and loves and loves, he will love to help and sends in his digger. Ta-da! God is big. He will do what we cannot. He will remove our pile of sin and other rubbish and he can move mountains. Indeed, Jesus has already paid the legal penalty for us having such a mountain. For the penalty for a mountain of sin is death. And Jesus has already paid our penalty for us. And what's more, he also promises his Holy Spirit who will help us with these things that we cannot do something about to help us straighten out our lives. He does not leave us to get on with it alone. His Holy Spirit will be our counsellor. And just like Luke reminded us just before uh, me coming up, he sends his Holy Spirit to help us. Here in Great Vineyard Church, we sometimes sing a song, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. It's based on, well, the first bit is based on Psalm 121, verse 1. And this fits the prayer of crying out to God. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven, creator of the earth. Oh, how I need you, Lord. You are my only hope. You are my only prayer. So I will wait for you to come and rescue. Come and give me life. And what's more, with our mountain moved out of the way, we are indeed able to see God in his glory. Wow. As we sang earlier, this is joy to the world. We and God. We can get together and have this personal relationship with each other, look at each other, enjoy each other's presence. Now the verses in Isaiah 40 also talk about the valleys. Every valley shall be raised up. And I was wondering, I wonder what these valleys represent. What do they mean for us individually? And it dawned on me that this probably refers to a lack of knowledge. Our ignorance is in the valleys, if ignorance is something, or is ignorance the missing of something. But it's the general lack of knowledge that people have about things relating to God which make the valley. We're unlikely to acquire such knowledge about God from the radio or the television these days, nor is it taught much in most schools, although fortunately the one we're in here seems to do so. So reading scripture is the main way whereby we can learn the ways of God. And the more we read, the more we will find out. And the more we read, we'll find that the whole of scripture ties in with what I've said simply today. When the mountains are removed, we can see God. And when the valleys are filled up, We can draw close with confidence, without fear. It's safe to travel along the road towards God with our life, 
and he travels along the road to us. He loves for us to be close to him. Now there's one other thing. You'll notice on the left side, I have written the word us, as well as you and me. This is because I want to emphasise the role of the church in road making. Moving mountains is a big job, but folk in the church can help you, help me. And talks like this, hopefully, will be helpful in providing understanding and fill some of our values. Maybe the church has the role of being the snowplow with some responsibility to level the rough ground and smooth out the rugged places. Well, this is it. This is the end. I hope that this Advent season we will all feel nudged to move just that bit further along the road, closer to God, and see him in greater glory than ever before. In just a moment, I'll put some questions up that you may want to consider in discussion around your tables here in the hall. And for those who've been watching, it is almost time to say farewell and join in a group with the church Zoom link. Thank you for watching. I'll read the questions first, and these will remain on the screen. My suggested questions will be these, but you may have other things to talk about around your table. You may want help in other ways. Feel free to do something around your tables if you want to, and please pray at the end uh, as you feel able and appropriate. So my questions are, what, if anything particular, stood out for you from what was said? Or what do you feel needs further explanation? What can we learn from Mary and Joseph's Christmas experiences? What are your personal mountains and hills that act as barriers between you and God? And describe how and when you have called out to God for help and he has come. And what for you do you find the most helpful ways to fill up your roads, valleys and potholes? How can the church help more? to smooth the road, to even it up. The snowplow goes straight, doesn't it? And how does God help you to have a closer walk with him along life's road? So thank you for listening. Now it's your time to get the most out of it by thinking it through. What's Ray really been saying in his pictures? Thank you.